has Tom Hanks hands. Do you know how like Tom Hanks has gross hands? Does he? Yeah. I'm going to look this up now. <laughs> you know, like in uh, You've Got Mail at the end when he puts his finger over her lips to like shush her. It's like the best, it's supposed to be like the best part of the movie or whatever. I'm like, ew, his fingers. I'm looking Tom now. Hanks. They seem fine. What's gross okay. about his hands? They look like they might have been dead before. Welcome to One Topic, where we stick to one topic. My name is Autumn Fisher. My name is Greg Russ. And Autumn, tis your week to choose the topic. Tis my week and I have chosen a topic. I hope you have chosen wisely. Let's see. Is the old man at the end of uh, Indiana Jones going to help us know whether we've chosen wisely or... Well, you'll age very quickly and die if you choose poorly. (laughs) If this topic is no good, I will watch you turn into an old lady before my eyes and then turn to dust. So this week our topic is neighbors. And why is that? Why have you chosen this to be our topic of discussion for this episode? Well, I didn't know that I felt so strongly about my neighbors until I had horrible neighbors. And so I have some stories about neighbors. I have some thoughts about why it turns out I feel like they're way more important than I thought. And I wanted to see maybe how you feel about having neighbors or how you how you uh, have a relationship with your neighbors or if you have one, if you want one. Um, I find it to be interesting. And maybe how other people feel too. I find it to be interesting that you didn't ever think about neighbors until you had bad neighbors, though you lived in a community in Atlanta that was all about the neighbors. Yeah. In Midtown, 13th Street, what they called Zoffieville, which was the name of the landlord right. uh, who owned this complex of, they were shitty buildings by that point. Mm, I never thought that they were shitty. They were falling apart. No, they were not falling yeah, apart. Yeah, there were some falling apart. Okay, well, whatever. We don't need to argue that. But amongst Midtown Atlanta, where you know all these high-rises were going up, you lived in this building, uh, two stories. Yep, 12 apartments. That was um, it. And, Cheap Yeah, rent. and it was 100 years old. An oasis in the middle of of the city where they don't give a shit about anything old, and they knock it yeah. down and put something else up that will allow the developer to make a lot more money. Yes, uh, so. and that's what they've done. That's what eventually the money got too good for the land. And Zafi, who is the owner, as we said, um, he's like 70 years old. I mean, he's he's... He is um, Israeli, and so, and you know, in, in Israel, I guess they have to join the army at a certain point, and he was a musician. He was like, so he, he knew how to do anything. He could build anything. He could fix anything, and I guess that had to do with his army training, but he was also an artist. He was a musician that the first time he came to the United States was through this, I don't know, this like tour that he was taking uh, as a part of this group. He's just this amazing person. Um, he's getting too old to be fixing this, you know, hundred-year-old building with, you know, band-aids and corks and things. <laughs> I mean, he really would. I, I mean, it wasn't falling apart. I disagree. But there were times when he was like fixing cracks in the wall with crumpled-up newspapers, toothpaste. <laughs> toothpaste. Yeah, put the toothpaste in there and a hair dryer, and you've got then like no crack. The crack never was, existed. No, that, there was some issue with someone's door that he fixed with twigs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it worked. <laughs> sure. Okay. And I think you're making the point for me, which doesn't even matter in this case, because 
uh, he sold it fine. That yeah. he got old, the money was there. I I don't blame him for that. But the community that was fostered there, because the people who lived in that complex, amongst all these other yuppies, was somewhat artistic, creative people, sense of community, and it was very. We picky. had a courtyard that we would come out to all summer, all spring and summer, and then even the winter we got a fire pit um, that was made out of some you know old rusted out piece of iron that. Zafi found because <laughs> that's what he would bring over. Um, yeah, and we would sit out, and we would talk, and they would all get high, and we would drink, you know. And we had parties, and we we all we were all on a Facebook group together, so we could post things to each other. If we so you did didn't something. care though. You didn't think about neighbors until you moved and you had some crappy ones. You it was took more it for that I, maybe took I took it, it for, it for granted. granted. I took it for granted. I didn't know. Well, I knew that I was never going to find another Zafiville, um, but I didn't understand how important a relationship with my neighbors were. Um, I had Ellie while I was there, so I was the only baby. I had the only baby that was born in Zafiville, and it was just this great, you know, if I, if I had never had kids, I probably would scoff at the idea of needing a village, you know, and like it takes a village, you know, but when you have a village around you, which really just means people who support you and care about you and want to help you um, and not even trying super hard to help you, but just people who are there for you if you need them. It really made a huge difference on those early years of my sanity. And uh, because I had Pete when we moved to Laurel, Maryland, where I hated where we lived and I went cuckoo nuts. Like, locking myself in the closet and crying which we'll get we'll, we'll get to that so i yeah. think i i'm interested in this dynamic in the switch and I, just a the bigger question about neighbors which i've thought about quite often and as a person who doesn't necessarily want to interact with other people is is it better to know your neighbors uh or not and i think you know within that knowing them but how much of a relationship do you want with your neighbors and I think this varies, obviously, depending on where you live. So, you know, there's people who listen to the show who maybe the closest neighbor is a mile or two away. Mm. So that's an interesting, I, I, I assume maybe you know your neighbors to an extent. You say hello and maybe you're closer with them because you're not going to see them all the time. But then you have suburban neighborhoods and the neighbors are there, but you're not living on top of each other. And then in cities where I live, you know, neighbors are everywhere. And that is one of the things that I think it can become overwhelming at times if, if, if you're at the point and having relationships with your neighbors that are close. And does that always mean you need to interact with them? So mm. certainly it depends on personality, you know, how social of a being you are to begin right. with. But ultimately, I would say, I think knowing your neighbors and having some kind of relationship with your neighbors is the way to go. Sure. Just to set this whole thing up. And okay. at some point in my past, maybe I would have thought differently. I don't even know if I would have. I think about the neighbors I had. Uh, and I've always enjoyed neighbors. Even So just starting off as kids, I assume in the neighborhood, there were neighbors, your friends uh, lived yeah. in the neighborhood. Did you have friends in the neighborhood? I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, your suburban upbringing? Yeah, in uh, Loganville. Um, yeah, I would go out. And ride my bike until dinner time with the neighbor kids. Um, there was all of that stupid stuff where it's like I had a 
I had a plastic bag affixed to the front of my bicycle for some reason, I guess to put things in there, whatever I found. That I liked. Your little child brain thought that was a nice thing. I got this. Yeah. A way and to then carry I, my items. I was hanging out with some kids um, riding our bikes in, in a cul-de-sac in part of the neighborhood. And the kid was like, yeah, you need to get rid of that bag. Like if you were going to hang out with us. And I really like jumped to, I was like, oh yeah, sure. Yes, sir. You know? <laughs> Wait, why do you want you to get rid of the bag? I guess he thought it was lame. Well, he's lame. Yeah. I hope he didn't he said hang piss up with... ant once on the bus. Ooh. Ooh. I, thought he was, I thought he was so cool. I bet you fell in love with him immediately at that moment. Dude said piss ant. Whoa. And I made friends. Yeah, I had friends throughout the neighborhood. Um, Your parents, uh, assuming, had friends in the neighborhood. Your parents they did, seemed like but social people. Yeah, they, they were friendly with both of our neighbors. Um, and then our neighborhood kind of started to go downhill a little bit. Um, and so our neighbors were getting a little crappier as I got older. And that's why we ultimately moved when I was a senior, because this crazy thing went down where this neighbor with a daughter, they were young. She was getting beaten up by her boyfriend while she was holding on to this baby. And uh, so she while he like went away. After he had been like roughing her up, I guess she came over to our house and was like hiding from him. Her parents were on the way so that they could help her get out of the house. And I had the baby. I was holding on to the baby while they were next door because they didn't want to go over there next door where this like guy might come back and hurt them. So I had the baby and the parents of the guy came back with him and then started trying to charge into our house. And I ran upstairs with this baby and hid in our closet and just like played with the baby until things calmed down. And I had that first boyfriend who was like tattooed and uh, like big and whatever. And he like was a police officer. He wasn't a police officer, but he acted like one. He was like, he got them out of the house. And the, of course the girl wouldn't press charges on it. You know, it was this whole thing. And my mom's, I found out later that that night when we were going to bed, my mom and dad talked in bed and she was like, I'm put it. We got to sell this house. <laughs> so I, I, you I, we fled the neighborhood. You got out yeah. of there. Neighborhoods did change the neighborhood. I grew up in, well, well, first, you know, my parents were friendly with a lot of our neighbors, which led to me becoming friends. It was it was timing too. There was a bunch of parents, new parents, who moved to the neighborhood and it was nice, and the kids played, and uh, things did start to change. But there was always there was one family, and there was a kid, but the family wasn't that friendly, and the kid was weird. <laughs> um, and this is just me thinking about people who don't engage with their neighbors. Um, and I think he actually was abused by his parents. I don't even think they wanted him. He was an only kid. Hmm. Um, but even as a kid, you recognize that it's like strange. Those people don't like to talk to anyone else. So what's going on there? And the house always did seem creepy and scarier to me. Hmm. Just looking at it, it's like, oh, that's the scary house where the people don't like to interact with other people in the neighborhood. Yeah, you got a vibe from them. <laughs> there was definitely a vibe. And yeah. I think the people who were overly private, it's a strange, It I, I don't want to just assign this, but usually the people who didn't in, interact with other people in the neighborhood, even on some superficial level, there was something wrong with those people. And maybe I'm wrong in saying that. And a lot of them had overgrown yards and the house was in disrepair 
And it's like, all right, there's something not right with that person. This is a child's brain who didn't really know why I thought that or how to process it. And just, yeah. there was a sense of it. It's like, this is, that's weird. Uh, you know, there are other people who don't necessarily want to go out of their way to interact with, with other people. And I guess that's okay. Well, there's a pack mentality, right? Or a herd mentality where it's like, don't disturb the herd. So if you're not sort of acting in accordance with the rest of the group, then it's a little off-putting. So that person is doing their own thing and maybe like we've talked about before, it's working for them, but it's not in keeping with the rest of what's going on in the neighborhood. Even if it's just a superficial like little things like saying hello, making small conversation, but continuing to walk, you know, <laughs> or keeping your, na- your, your front yard looking a certain way. No, I agree. There's something strange about those people. It's like, what mm-hmm. are you hiding? Whether or not that's fair, there's hiding. There's hiding something in that uh, that that building, that house, whatever it is. Um, but now, going from that being a kid growing up in that kind of environment where it was normal, um, you know, there's this part of me that doesn't always like to interact with other people. But one thing I think I found is I've always enjoyed knowing my neighbors. So moving out of my parents' house, my first uh, dorms in, in college. Mm-hmm. I loved that. I loved that. The people around me, I got to know them. It became one of those open door policies. Like, just come over and hang out whenever you want. And people would come over and they'd flop down on the couch and smoke their pot or whatever was going on at that point. And I really enjoyed that. And then it gets to be a point where it's like, well, I don't know if I want this to go on forever with that level of openness. So, um, well, that's the danger too, right? Like you, you, open yourself up to your neighbors because you want to one be neighborly and then also to create this sort of like friendly place where you live and then what if you don't like that person and then it's like a weird breakup (laughs) yeah it can be a lot but overall it is nice to interact and to get to know your neighbors and i think i i don't know like i'm gonna you live in a setting where there are kids and i think a lot of times kids are a bond that brings neighbors together. But I, it feels like we're moving away from that. People are becoming so private and they don't really want to interact with the people they live around. And going back to what I said before, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're hiding something, but I still hold on to that feeling. And when I experience it now, it's strange to me. It's, I don't know what is going on with you. Why wouldn't you want to know the people who live around you? No one's asking to come over for a dinner party or to have long extended conversations. But I think it's an important thing to know the people you live around and to at least have some sort of relationship with them. So in case something, some kind of shit hit a fan, uh, you know, you had someone to reach out to. Definitely. If they hear you yelling next door and it's not normal, they know how to get in touch with you. But that's definitely, let's say you heard that. Uh-huh. I guess if you had a good relationship with your neighbor, you would reach out to them in some way, even yeah. through a text. It's not your business if there's a fight going on, but you could reach out and say, hey, everything all right? Right. When you don't know your neighbors and you hear something like that, I guess you ignore it. You don't want to cross any lines. It's not your place to just show up and pound right. on the door and say, yo, what's going on? Unless you're complaining, I guess. Right. Well, even that's really tough. I don't know how to do that have you ever knocked on someone's door to complain to them no uh but have you wanted to (laughs) usually i mean there's an understanding and i've been lucky enough to live in places where people are somewhat respectful 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, living in New York, you're going to be around people who are making noise, and we we under, understand that to an extent. But um, at like 11 p.m., someone practicing their bass. Yeah, it can get to the point. I haven't had to deal with that. Um, when I lived in Atlanta at 1660 Peachtree, uh, the apartment overlooked the pool, and there were some neighbors who went out late at 1 a.m., and they were drunk and loud and swimming, and I wanted to say something to them, but instead I just lit some firecrackers and threw them out the window. <laughs> well, I went I went down from my apartment to an open area. That way they couldn't trace the firecrackers back to my specific apartment. What happened after you did that? It scared them. But they didn't, yeah. they didn't do anything. I heard them talk. Whoa, whoa. And then they said, what the hell? And you hear them cursing and trying to figure it out. And <laughs> that was the extent of it. That was the only time I really felt like I ever needed to complain. That's kind of the dream, Greg. Because I feel like I've wanted to burn someone's apartment to the ground because I'm so angry. But I can't build up the courage to just... Go and tell them, you know, just to communicate with them, to ask them nicely. Because they're being so inconsiderate, I feel like there's no way they're going to take, you know, my feelings into consideration when I come talk to them about this. So really the best option, figure out a way to gas them. Like That's what I think. I think that is the best option because if you haven't established some kind of rapport with your neighbor, you showing up to complain does, you know, I... Even if they're in the wrong, there's some offense taken. Well, who are you? You never speak to me. And now suddenly you appear in my life and this is what you've got to tell me. Yeah. Even if they're completely wrong and you're right. You know, that alone is a reason, I think, to to talk to some people you live near. Just in case you ever need to tell them to shut the hell up <laughs> or to calm down. But no, so I'm curious. So you lived in this wonderful community oasis in Atlanta where everyone, I'm sure there were tensions and stuff, but... You know, like any, oh, yeah. any kind of relationships with people who are close. That's a nice thing. I think that dynamic is something that's nice to have to even exist. I'm annoyed with that person right now. I'm not going to talk to them for a day or two, but everything will be fine because yeah. that's what we have. And then so you move. You move to Maryland. Mm-hmm. And you were in an apartment complex first, right? Yeah, we were in an apartment complex. Um, it was in a part of town that is mostly apartments. So not a lot of care or maybe just money is in the community. So, um, you know, it, it was, it was, a. there were fine people in the neighborhood. So upon moving in, did you establish any kind of friendships? Well, that's funny. So I was, I was from this world of Zoffyville where we all knew each other and we all wanted to get to know each other. So I had this weird, you weird hippie. What's that? You weird hippie in your comedy. No, no, no. More like uh, when I would meet a neighbor, it was like, I'm here and you're here and we're both friends now because we're neighbors, you know? And it was, and the like Southern versus Northern mentality when I know Maryland is supposed to technically still be in the South, but the attitudes are much different. Yes. People feel like when you're friendly to them, not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people here when you're trying to be friend to them, friendly with them, they are thinking of you like when a homeless guy tries to chat you. What up. do you want? Yeah, what do you want? Why are Just you Just get this? to it. Spare me the whole thing. I don't yeah. need the speech. What do you need? That's how people feel when you're and I'm like and so there was there was a lot of transition between what I experienced in the best 
place to live ever in Zoffieville and then in Maryland. Which where you um, did live in Atlanta, that was an anomaly. That, it really was. Yeah, we were paying nothing a month. But outside of that, there. the sense of community that came along with it, like that is not something that... That's what I'm saying. That was part of it. Yeah. There was, yeah, a nice... It came together in a way that you probably won't find so easily anymore. No. That's where I fell in love. That's where Lucky and I went through ups and downs. <laughs> Lucky Yates, who's on uh, Archer, but we've known for a very long time. Yeah. So you've already had, you know, were friends with him. He's the one who yeah. got you in, right? He was kind of the gatekeeper of that place. Yeah, but, definitely. But so going from that, you're used to living in this way that isn't necessarily the norm. Going to another apartment, and maybe maybe you're a little overbearing. Did you really? Oh. Did you really project that? Hey, nice it to was, meet you it so was, much. I wanted them to be more excited to meet me because I was excited to meet them because I felt like I'm gonna try and foster what we had in Atlanta, or and try to not foster but create what we had in Atlanta, and it that wasn't gonna happen. Most of the neighbors just wanted to be superficially friendly. They were. There were, there were plenty of neighbors who were friendly and fine, but it just wasn't the same type of thing that was happening where we were actual friends in Zoffieville. So that seems obvious now and even maybe beforehand if I thought about it, but I just thought, no, I could, we'll just, this is, this is what it's, maybe it's us, you know, and I, I didn't really think that, but it was more like, maybe this can happen here, you know, hopefully it can, but it didn't. But My neighbors were fine, but eventually I had some really shitty downstairs neighbors. Did you even gauge the situation, though, before you went in, or you just thought, I can force this on these people? We'll go out, we'll grill, we'll throw the ball around, we'll get More a slip like and slide set up. like, if it's not setup. happening, then we will bring an element and it will come. Like, if you build it, they will come. So if we projected ourselves as people who were like... Like you have, like you were talking about like open door policy. Not, we weren't asking them to come in or whatever, but it was just like, hey, you know, let's hang out on the front lawn. No, no one ever hung out on the front lawn. Okay. Uh, the, um, the kids are outside and no other parent would be out there with them. The kids would just run around by themselves all the time. And Ellie was too little for us to let her do that. The other kids were like five, six, seven. So we couldn't, we had to be out there. So we were just always alone. You know, there were no, like, there were no other parents to chat with even because they weren't outside. Yeah, that's tough. Yes. And so then, so then it was just very alone. I was very alone, I felt like. And, you know, I think we were only doing the radio show shorter hours in the morning at that time. And... I had the kids with me at the house like they weren't in school or anything. So, oh, man, I was just like, ugh, it was horrible. So you had a lot of time and not a lot of people to interact with. And part of this, too, is you moving. And another episode of ours was making friends as an adult. Yeah. Which was another thing you're dealing with at that point because you're you're in a community where you don't even know anyone. So you don't even have yeah. friends outside of your neighbors at that point to go hang right. out with. Family. I, have a, I had a family that was a, family, a cousin and his family, which was like... 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away. Um, and, you know, so many things. Losing Zoffieville, losing your friends, losing a culture, honestly. Uh, and 
just being so alone and not knowing where things were like, you know, you don't really know your surroundings because, you know, we had three days to find a place when we moved up here and this is where we found. So that's yeah, a lot of adjustment. A lot. It was a lot. So I was not. I can happy. also, I, I can, you know, that makes perfect sense. I, I don't know how anyone could really be happy in that situation. Um, but I can also see you overcompensating a bit and going <laughs> to try to force that, that uh, neighborly friendliness. Let's all hang out. It wasn't like, um, I, I wasn't thinking about like, I have to make this happen. It was just what I, it was almost like I was, this is just how I was raised or in, something. In moments where it presented itself. And then to be kind of rejected, you know what I mean? And so put on top of that, like a kind of rejection of like, oh, this isn't working. People don't do that here. No one's interested in that way. Which they isn't necessarily true, right? Because you've since moved and this does sound awful. I meant in this apartment. I, I, I know. Okay. Oh, so you meant just here because you, you referenced the South and the North and the differences, which there surely are, but... Uh, I, my point was going to be, I don't think it's just Maryland, but yes, where you were, that specific place. That's what I mean, the specific and, apartment. And it does sound awful, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that. It's horrible. Honestly, I was being like a crazy person. Like I, I would lock myself in the closet, and I would just lay on the floor and stare at the baseboards and like cry and feel bad for myself and then feel stupid for what I was doing and what this looked like. You were dealing with a lot. We just went yeah. through all the change that had happened in your life and everything that you'd given up and sacrificed. And Ellie was only a year and some months old. And she she's your responsibility, little. completely dependent on you. So young, not even able to go get her own food out of the pantry yet. Mm -mm. It's a lot. So it was a lot. It was know, horrible. Staying in the closet and crying. It's an outlet. Yeah. I think that's okay. Don't beat yeah. yourself up over that. I know it was just a hard thing, but, but then it got um, worse because then you had these neighbors who moved in. So downstairs. once I kind of started to get adjusted to, to being there, I guess it was like a year and a half, maybe less. Um, our, we got some new downstairs neighbors and I made small talk with them. They were cool. They, she was from Georgia. She lived near six flags and we talked about that. We talked about traffic. Like we, we made kind of friends. I liked her glasses. She had cool frames. Did she like her, the? What's that? Did she go to Six Flags? Did you guys bond over talking about the the <laughs> cyclone? She talked about the traffic being horrible around twenty and, and the mind bender, <laughs> the scream machine. It's going backwards. The ninja. The ninja. That'll she, give you a whiplash. Yeah, the ninja does give you a whiplash, but nothing so, like that cyclone. That was awful. Is that the cyclone was the one that was the wooden one? Yeah, the compact wooden one. The scream machine's also wooden, but it's stretched out. The cyclone rip your brain out of your head. <laughs> I like the Batman ride when that first came out. That's smooth. It's, yeah, it's a nice. uh, metal roller coaster. Those are smooth. Da, 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 when you're waiting in line. <laughs> I didn't like that line so much, though, because it, uh, it didn't wrap around, which sometimes is annoying, but... It was so long. You thought, I'm getting close. I'm getting close. And you were never close to the front. It took yeah. forever when that was crowded. You had anyway. to go up the stairs. <laughs> yeah, I just You'd thought. you waiting on the stairs forever. <laughs> <laughs> the, po the point was, uh, oh, remember the, the big splash? Not the log flume, but the one that really splash. Splash waterfalls or something. Man, there was a. <laughs> splash mountain. There was a wall of gum there, which I feel like every amusement park That's has. right. No, that wasn't on that. No, no, no. No, it was there. I thought that was. Um, 
the rapids one. Mm, no, the one. Whitewater rapids. The one where you get in the circular raft. Yeah. No, no, this wall of gum. I thought that was the gum tree. This, well, maybe there was some other gum thing there. Yeah. The point is, I feel like every amusement park has just a spot where everyone puts their chewed gum. And then yep. just to get back, I, th- I was hoping that was a point of um, connection with your neighbor. Six Flags. You could have yeah. talked about this stuff. <laughs> Remember the gum wall? And you guys would have had a friendship immediately. Yeah. Man. I wanted to be friend. I liked her. I felt like we have a connection, right? We're both from Georgia. Uh, I was dressed up when I was pregnant with Pete. I was dressed up as a character, a pregnant character from Steven Universe. Um, and I, but I kind of look like Princess Peach a little bit. And so everybody else thought that I was Princess Peach. But the daughter of this woman, our downstairs neighbor daughter, she knew who I was. She was like, "Are you Rose Quartz?" from Steven Universe. I was like, yes, yes, I am. I was, I couldn't believe it. She was my favorite person of all time that ever, you know what I mean? So then a couple months later, um, Ellie, we're up early. Ellie's running down the hall and the daughter comes up and asks us to be quiet. And maybe it wasn't the daughter, the mom, someone, someone from downstairs asked us to be quiet. And so I was like, oh my God, of course. I'm so sorry. I'm sure that's loud we weren't thinking about it we were not being considerate i didn't realize what was going on i was very like understanding so from then on we had tried to rein in ellie's running around but it just got worse and worse not the running but the complaining once once we opened the door literally (laughs) to her complaint it never stopped and it would happen so fast like ellie would wake up and not 15 minutes later, we would get a boom, boom, boom on the floor. Or she would text me. They left us this long note on the door about, you know, how, what's going on and whatever. And I wrote her back. I texted her back and apologized and told her, like, we're trying, whatever. And then it just, the texts just Wait, So she was taking coming. a broomstick and hitting the ceiling? Jeez. They would hit the ceiling. Um, she would play super loud bassy music. Um, to get you back for hours not because she wanted to listen to it but but to get you back maybe a little bit of this maybe a little bit of that it didn't make sense because the point was is that we found out that the daughter is working nights not night nights but just working into the night a little bit because mm-hmm. she had she had once she graduated this is when it started she had graduated from high school and then she had gotten her first job and it was like at a tj maxx or something so what was she staying up until like 11 um so she was getting she was trying to sleep as long as she could i guess in the after and whatever and so ellie would wake up it was like maybe 8 30 or 9 which is early for someone i understand and but she wouldn't be up for more than like 30 minutes and something would happen where ellie would yell or she would cry or she would stomp around or something and we'd get the bang 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 and then the music which never made sense because if you're trying to sleep what are you doing turning on some super loud bassy music but it was really just to get back at us. Yeah, it's spiteful. Spiteful. So fuck, I hated her. And then, like, you you complain. We complained to the office, and they said, you know, we can only do so much. And then, um, they they we got a complaint. Like, they started complaining about us, so the office was calling us. I was like, what the fuck? What are we supposed to do? Ellie is two years old, 
two and a half years old. What are we? How are we going to stop her from moving or crying or having a fit? Chains, you know, ropes. chains, rope feral. or chain, chain her to a chair. Okay, make her got a feral, it. feral child. Lock her so, up. Yeah. So I started texting the mom about like playing. Now your daughter's playing loud music. We're trying our best. Blah blah blah. Now you fell into three. their trap. This is what they wanted. Yeah. Now they got you complaining about them, and then it's a he said, she said, or she said, she said in this case. But uh, she's like, so yeah. I, the, um, she said, "Good morning. My daughter is home, trying to rest before work. This is at nine thirty, and is complaining that there's running and screaming. Please help." And I said, "There's no running, but she was crying. There's not much I can do about that. I'm sorry. Also, I'm in early labor right now. <laughs> I was in fucking labor." And she's like, "Okay." Yeah. And then she was just like, well, some people, there's obviously no winning. So you're, no. you're in an even worse situation where you ended up moving because it was the only way to get a, around that. Um, she started telling me, too, that um, she's been trying for a year. She has videos. She's taken videos of, I guess, her stealing of, of Ellie running. And um, she's going to that we're going to be getting a knock on the door by the police. And that um, I would like for you to consider us human beings who don't want to hear a young child running around. It's not fair that this keeps happening, but we will contact the police. We deserve to have peace. We deserve to have peace as well as you do. I was like, well, the, well, the police aren't going to do anything at that point. I was like, all, the fucking bitch. Call. This, That's what at that point I was like, call the, the police. All that's that showing is there's this is a no win situation. Like, there was the, another element to it also, which was we were in a predominantly black neighborhood. And during that time was like Trump got elected <laughs> and all of the Black Lives Matter stuff was happening. So and you're I part felt... of a conservative uh, talk station in Atlanta. <laughs> That's right. I myself have, as a conservative. <laughs> I'm not saying that. But the outward appearance, you know, yeah. even Eric's well, they, show. No, they don't know about that. Eric being a libertarian. And they did some research. It's not that hard to find. Autumn, yeah. Autumn Fisher, WSB. Sean Gosh, Hannity. Sean Hannity. <laughs> That's a real I thing. Know. Yeah. It could have been. Well, even if even if it was, like everyone told us to to call the police. On call them. non-emergency police on them. And I was like, I can't. Nothing do that. happens that's pointless. It just stirs things. I, I non emergency yeah. police come and say the same things you're saying to each other. Hey, right. just try not to do this. Okay, bye. Yeah. I couldn't and, and even if it was something where they would have gotten in trouble, I couldn't do that because that girl was probably 19 years old number one two we are a white family and they are a black family and it don't look great you know and especially with her saying things like treat us like human beings like you do not know me was she really going you think she was setting that up I don't being know. The, being That's the, the thing. white family I don't know. treat us like human beings I like to think that's not happening I know that I stuff like to, does too. happen but listen I if if I was it, just, you know, in my mind, I would say that's not happening because I don't think that way. But it was on it was something like what if that they used that, you know, or what if that was used against us, not even from them, but just maybe like, I don't know, it could have been seen that way. So I just didn't want to I didn't want to go there with them. But we were just stuck in this limbo of bullshit. And it was so horrible. And then to make it worse. On Christmas, they had a thing on their door and it was a Christmas decoration and it was um, Darth Vader and it said happy holidays on it. And I loved it. 
And I was like, you guys, we should be friends. Why aren't we friends? Why do you have to, like, Well, it sounded like, yeah, it sounded like. The daughter flipped us off. We were hanging outside with the kids, like, playing with a ball. Pete is little. The daughter and the mom are in the car, and they're leaving, and they're flipping us off. Well, there's no, so that's, yeah, there's no winning with these people. Sometimes that's just the way it's set up. It sounded like you went through (laughs) the proper process. You talked to them. You tried to have a conversation about it. It wasn't working. Um, And at that point, I, this is the, on the other person. I don't know what they expect. There's a level of uh, unreasonableness there. You're on the bottom floor. And you might live below someone. And who sometimes has that's a kid. the only apartment. I guess it's available. But if you know these things, try to get the top apartment and do the best that you can. You need to be self-aware enough to know that you're uh, an unreasonable piece of trash. Right. That you know, and there's no winning. If any little thing that living amongst other people in an apartment, which is what that is, right? You no, know, it's not. A, I I know people can't always afford a house or to be right. separate from other people, and that's just the nature of it. But. You know, but if you do want that experience in an apartment building, you might need to live on the top floor. You got to do the best that you can. And, right. um, you know, that's one thing that I don't mind about living in cities is that we do, especially New York, live on top of one another. Mm-hmm. Just all if you look at all these buildings, so many of them are apartments and they're just people shoved into them. You're just surrounded. And, and they're small. Yeah, which which is something that I, in a weird way, it's nice. Like, this is the only space in this city where nobody is allowed to bother me. This is my own personal little space. Little. <laughs> it is. It's little, but you're not yeah. allowed in here. But that was something that I always enjoyed about living in cities. Even when I was in Atlanta in Cabbage Town, for example, I lived on Carroll Street, and there's those townhomes. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't super close to the people, but there'd be times that we'd all get together in the back and have some food or have some drinks because there was bonding going on that this is this very particular street in this city with these old homes and we're the only ones who have them. This is where we live. And I liked that. I liked that part of it. Uh, yeah. When I first moved to New York, uh, my apartment in in Bushwick, which was in, is in Brooklyn, only two units. So my apartment and the people above happened to be the same age. And we kind of had that set up where... Just come up whenever, come down whenever, and just hang yeah. out. And I was okay with that. Was it an old like townhome that was converted into two apartments? Uh, it was a it was an old building, but it was just two floors. Okay. First floor was all one apartment. Second floor was all one apartment. And then we had shared access to the backyard, which was nice. That's so nice. we'd hang out. Um, I think this is important. As a person who doesn't want to interact with other people often, with the small talk, I think that's the real thing. It's like. There's just times you see so many people having pointless conversations. I don't think it's needed, so just don't have the conversation. But people you're around and you share your space with and, in essence, parts of your life with just by proximity, those are people I want to know. And my favorite was when I moved to Sullivan Street in Manhattan in Greenwich Village. Uh, Man, that was the quintessential, stereotypical New York building. Why is that? That place was – there were people there – Rocco had been living there since 1971. Bob had been there since 79. Johnny had been there since 83. Uh, And I knew everyone who lived in the building. There were actually two buildings. There was a building on the street, on Sullivan Street. You go through that building. There was a courtyard, then a back building. And I knew everyone. And 
you know, was it always the best? There were times Johnny, for example, Puerto Rican guy who would yell just things like, I'm going to take a screwdriver and shove it up your fucking ass and turn it sideways to no one. I don't know who he's yelling at. He's not on the phone. No, he's out in the (laughs) courtyard just yelling. And I bring up the fact he's Puerto Rican because he hated Dominicans. He's yelling about Dominicans quite often. Now, I don't understand that rivalry fully. I get some of it as Puerto Ricans, you know, are allowed to come to the United States and the Dominicans feel like they don't work as hard because Dominicans who come to the United States have to work for it and get, you know, their green card. (laughs) It's something, it's not my battle. It's not something I care to get into. I love hearing about other races, racism. (laughs) It's, 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 I, sure. (laughs) Not that I love that it exists. No, but it's there. Interesting. Yeah. And then Johnny's yelling things about Jews and then I'm, I'm half Jewish and, so there was a lot of times with Johnny, I would look out my window. It's like, you all right? He's like, oh, I'm sorry you had to hear that. I don't really hate the Jews. I'm sorry. <laughs> because he, he thinks I'm Jewish because I look yeah, yeah. it. And uh, it's fine. I was like, but what's going on? He's like, I just I, I just get so angry sometimes. Johnny was also a heroin addict. And okay. uh, there were times he would just be sitting in the courtyard. Once I came back and he was passed out. And I wouldn't make sure he was all right. So I like shook him yeah. and he came back too, and he started speaking to me for like five minutes talking about how everyone in the world ignores him and he's so lonely. And as he's speaking, it looks like his, his mouth is swollen and I didn't know what went on. So he's, mind you, he's talking to me for five minutes. Yeah. And he just spits out all this chewed up bagel. It's like, did you not remember that was even in your mouth when you started speaking to me? But as insane as he was, and the point was there's times I'm in my apartment and I need to leave, but he's outside and I'm hiding because yeah. I don't want to deal with him. Uh, he's, he's one of those guys, if you're on your phone, even a fake phone conversation, he doesn't care. He's going right. to, and you could just say, I got to go, I got to go, but you're still, there's going to be an interaction that's a little more difficult than it needed to be. Yeah. But, you know, within all of this, there's this very sweet guy, thoughtful guy that would come out at times and... Um, his dog died. He had this dog, Roxy. And he knocked on my door and Roxy died. And he's like, Jerry? Because he didn't know my name at the time. Did he always call you Jerry? He always called me Jerry, even though the only time he didn't call me Jerry and he called me Greg was the highest I'd ever seen him. I don't know what triggered at that point. <laughs> but he, he, so he knocks on my door. He's like, Jerry, you want to come to the park with me and spread Roxy's ashes? And I was like, okay. And it's like this beautiful May spring day in New York. It's warm. The sun's out. We go to Washington Square Park. Johnny finds these two rocks on the ground that he assigns some spiritual meaning to. And he starts like tapping them together. And then we go to the dog run where he used to take his dog. And he, he went in and he tapped the rocks and they'd take out some of the ashes and throw them, which I don't even know if that's a uh, right. <laughs> legal thing to do. Be spreading dead animals' ashes across the city. But people knew him from the dog run, and we mm-hmm. continue around the park, and he goes to a tree, and he taps the rocks on the tree. It's weird. Don't get me wrong, but it was one of these things. Like I'm, I'm really glad that I'm doing this today. This is something still to this day I remember. It just seemed like a very New York thing to happen. I have this weird neighbor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who now I'm hanging out with. Like Once Johnny's crying in the courtyard, and I say, what's going on? And he says, I'm just sad because people ignore me. And again, there's reasons people ignore him. Because you don't want to, you think he's crazy. 
Right. I said, you want to hang out? And he said, yes, let's listen to some blues music. And I say, okay. And then he goes upstairs. He comes back. We listen to music. He's telling me all about it for like 30 minutes. And then he pulls out heroin and he puts lines on my desk and he snorts two lines of heroin and he wow. leaves the line for me. He's like, that's for you. And I said, that, I don't want it. And I said, that's not, it's not a lot. It's not going to hurt you. And I said, Johnny, I don't think it's going to hurt me. I'm going to love it. And then I know where to get it. And it's not something I want to do. Ignorance is bliss as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. And then he says, okay. And he snorts it and he pats me on the back and says, good job. You passed the test. And I said, like, well, it wasn't a test. And even if it were a test, it's pretty fucked up of you to be testing <laughs> me that way. Yeah. But all of this in my mind is like, this is okay. This is having neighbors in New York and an old walk-up building in Greenwich Village. This is what it's supposed to be. And then Rocco, for example, the guy who had been there the longest, just he won at some point somebody spilled hundreds of pennies in the courtyard. They just dumped them out. And I went out and he's huddled over the pennies and picking them up. I said, What's going on, Rocco? He's a lot of good luck here. I said, Oh, okay. And I left and I came back later. Every penny that was on heads had been picked up. Whoa, only, only pennies only on heads. Yeah, only pennies on tails were left because it was wow. the bad. Wow. And then you had Bob, who was the nosy guy who would Google people's names from the mailboxes. He'd look at the name on the mailbox when someone new moved in and Google them and find out stuff and then talk to me about it. And he's like, don't think I don't know what's going on with that person up in that apartment. There was a married couple. I was like, I, yeah, sure. I didn't even know what he was getting at. <laughs> but he was, and then he would fight with Johnny sometimes. They'd shout at each other. Yeah. Um, is it because he was Dominican? No. Bob was just this <laughs> weird old white man uh, whose pants would come up to his boobs. Oh. His old man boobs. But then he would listen to like really good music that you'd hear coming out the window. Mm-hmm. And it was none. I, I really enjoyed it. And then there's Deidre who played a piano. She had a piano. Everyone in the building I knew. And there was. This is your Zoffieville. It was nice, even though the yeah, building. Yeah, we was had a, sh- a piano across. So across from the driveway, there was like a hundred and ten-year-old house, and uh, that was converted into a billion little apartments. Not a billion, maybe five. And um, there was a piano up there that somebody would play, and Jason would always play music on Saturday mornings. He um, was tripping on LSD <laughs> once, and we were having a party, and Ellie was born already, and they, I swear, they had this like weird spiritual connection (laughs) she loved him and he was super high and he was like i'm gonna talk to ellie real quick and she's a tiny baby and he like looks at her intently and then she's looking at him there was just this little moment that really felt like i know that he's tripping and he really does think he's having this but this might really be happening (laughs) it could be yeah and you're okay with that to an extent i guess if you took your baby because he was harmless he wasn't scary he wasn't a Johnny, he wasn't scaring anyone. Well, even he Johnny, the, the, I, I saw Johnny recently walking on the street and, and wider than that building. I got to know people in the neighborhood. And that's another thing in New York is just when I'm where you live, where you live, the people who run the stores that are close by because they're usually independently owned. And right. you get this sense of community, which I, I nice. That's really nice, which I really like. Um, but no, Johnny, he's clean now from heroin. And I, I talked to him for 45 minutes and he told me, he's like, I, I really like space. And when I was a kid, I wanted to be an astronomer. And they started talking about all this stuff that about space, like not as deep as I guess a scientist would know, but more than a normal person would know. Um, he was talking about the expansion of the universe. And it was, I was, you know, wow. I think there was the, the reason I liked him in the first place is I recognized that some of this was there. Addicts are really interesting people. Usually 
it's the addiction that gets in the way, but it's almost like the reason why they're so interesting is sometimes they're troubled addicts. Yeah, Johnny also liked to view himself as the protector of that building because he said in the 80s it was a really bad place, and he points uh-huh. out to this spot on the wall where he fired a gun once at a guy who was trying to break in. And he's like, that's where the bullet hit, and then there's a chunk out of the brick. Yeah. Yeah, whether or not that's true, I don't know. But what I like about it is that we're all living in this city together, and we're all then, when you get to the building, you know, sharing the same kind of space, and we're sharing this experience. So why not? There's a bunch of different kind of people who live here, all different walks of life, all different levels of weird, and it doesn't bother me if, you know, you, you talked about do people make noise. If if you're doing something and it's your it's your life like playing the piano, I don't care. If you're just being completely rude and not taking anyone else into account, then sure it can be an annoying thing. But uh, well, our, I mean, in Zoffieville, like we had neighbors that were being loud, or we could hear things or whatever. But because we knew them, it wasn't like oh that asshole is doing whatever. We're like oh that's Courtney. You know what I mean? Like we knew who it was, and so I wanted. I, I I was wishing for that in Laurel. Oh, when and, that, we were, and that's hard to find. That I don't want to say that doesn't like exist. You know us. You know who we are. We're not jerks. Yes, we have a daughter that's moving around and bothering you, but you know her. And that, you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's. I don't want to say that that kind of thing doesn't exist outside of cities, but I feel like it's in cities or small towns where those kind of things happen in suburbs. People, yeah. it's a different kind of existence. Yeah. And to go in and expect, again, these people sound very unreasonable that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not trying to say, you know, you were no, I understand wrong. What you're saying. But me living in New York, I wouldn't get angry. This is what I came here for. There's noises, it's loud, there's shit going on constantly. And that building actually represented what I think I wanted, even subconsciously, in moving here. Like something like that. I want to be around these kind of people. It's inspiring, or even if it's annoying at times, like I'm right. getting something out of it. Um, the building I live in now, I don't know, it's just filled with white people my age and their 30s. I'm actually the only guy in this building. I realized oh, there are that's great. There's six apartments, but you know, it, it, there's pleasantries. Hi, how are you? That's about the extent of it. There was yeah. one when I first moved here, a guy was still living here, he's since moved out. And squeeze. Could you go next door or knock on a door and ask for like sugar or something? I mean, I could. I I I don't talk to my neighbors that much. I would mm-hmm. like to to do something like that. Yeah. I don't. I think it wouldn't be so weird. They knew who I was. But when I first moved here, there was a guy who who hadn't moved out yet, and I was squeezing in. So you come in the front door. The mailboxes are there, and then you go up. The, there's another door, and you go up the stairs. But it's tight space, and he was checking his mail, and I squeezed by. I was like, "Hey, how's it going?" Just completely ignored me. Ugh. Didn't even say anything. I was like, screw you. This is where I live now. And then I was longing for, you know, the building that was falling apart on Sullivan Street at that point. But, you know, it, it's since I now, within the neighborhood, I know people run mm-hmm. the businesses and stuff now. And I feel like, you know, this is my home, which That's I like nice. it. But for you, you know, moving, again, you make the choice, right? You made a choice to move because Travis had a job and you had to go and you did the best you could at that point. Mm-hmm. And, right. you, and you tried to create something, which I think there's nothing wrong in that. Yeah. And, and trying to do that. But, uh, you know, 
the other people. It's also on them to understand. I'm getting a little off track here because you do move to a suburban apartment complex. You're probably expecting some level of pleasantries, privacy. I was going to say more so. You're not living in a city where you expect people to be on top of you and talking to I you guess, constantly. But but I mean, if you think about it, you're in a suburban setting and so there are probably gonna be more families. Certainly there are more families. So you ha- you run the risk. And you're also of, living in an apartment complex, so you you do know yeah. what comes along with that. Well, thankfully well, we broke the lease so that we could leave because I couldn't handle life. Because I also had had Pete and I was like postpartum. It was trouble. So we had we had to get out so we got out and now we're in crofton and we're inside of this little circle uh it's it, there's a parkway that goes around and it's real small it's like three miles around and there's something called like living inside the circle <laughs> it used to be oh, a gated exclusive. community wow yeah, fancy it, it's around a country club <laughs> you're living the the life but that is set up in a different way, even if the gate's no longer there. Yeah. It is set up in a manner. It's like, well, the people in here are all in here together. Yeah. This is a the thing they're doing. And I know it's it's a much better situation for you, right? Oh, my God. It's so much better. Everybody here, like, it's such a family. In In some ways, like, the younger me looking for somewhere to live that was cool, which I still want to do eventually, <laughs> you know, like, once... Once I'm done raising these kids, like I want to live in a city. Um, but right now it's just perfect. It's suburban hell, but it's perfect. There's a ton of families here. There are a ton of family activities to do here. Um, all the kids play outside together. Um, there's uh, the school district is amazing. <laughs> um there's just it's just like a really nice neighborhood. The city hall for Crofton is down the street from us and it's like a house. It's just a house. They're like cop cars parked outside of it because that's where the cops like hang out. I don't know what they do, but it's just a house. It's not like a municipal building. It's weird, but I love it. And Ellie's going to be able to walk to school and I'm in love with that idea. Our neighbors are really cool. I've just I've, I'm getting closer with our neighbors. Um They've always been friendly, but um, just especially like our neighbor, uh, our na- we have a neighbor down the way that doesn't have a, any kids, but she's married and her and her husband live there. Um, and they are kind of missing living in the city, but they bought the house here, but they kind of like wish that they could walk places. They were, they were living in Baltimore before. Um, and so we want, we kind of miss that too. So a part of us is not, you know, like we're not just lame parents. We're also cool people. <laughs> so, so you think. So we that's, think. That's the we sign like of a lame parent. We think of ourselves parent. that way. That's the sign of a lame parent. We're not lame. Yeah. Hey, come on. <laughs> let's do the new dubstep. <laughs> um, can you teach me how to dougie? <laughs> I don't even know what that Dutchie? is. Wait, Dutchie? <laughs> oh, I fucked it up because I'm not cool. But no, they're, they, they want to hang out and we want to hang out. And like they gave us a bunch of we we have a bunch of herbs that we gave them and they gave us herbs that we don't have that they're growing. And I made them some bread and they're just really cool. And our neighbors next door are really helpful. Like just and, and they're doing cool things to us, too. Like she the mom's texting us real quick to say, like, hey, I need to run out to the store. Would you mind like 
keeping an eye on Sam next door. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. That that kind of thing, like asking me for a favor and it being kind of an imposition, but knowing that I won't care and I'm more than happy to be imposed upon. It, it's that kind of relationship here that's really, really nice. It's not the same as Zoffyville. No one is trying to like be as enmeshed as we were in Zoffyville, but it's so much better. And that's what I mean where like I didn't realize how much I needed. And maybe it was just because of being a parent now. And I, I, I need more support. This is a need for me, I guess, is I need, I need more people around me to lean on, to have a conversation with as a grown up <laughs> with the other person. I don't know. And I'm wondering if other people feel that way, you know, do, do other moms and like dads, I guess, are they, are they trying to sort of be a hermit crab and not be friendly with their neighbors? Or are they also looking for connection? Probably both. I I, I think what we've established is that seemingly things are much better off if you've got some kind of connection with your neighbors and you interact with them. Yeah. And you, you know, again, you're all living lives in proximity. You're in it together, whatever that space may be. And we're all townhomes. So like, We're sharing a wall, but it's a firewall, so we're not hearing a ton, but we are, like, squished up next to each other. Yeah, and if some people don't want to live that kind of life, that's fine. Like, you can't blame anyone for not wanting to integrate with the people around them. I do think, though, when you get to the point where you know what you're getting into, again, apartments or even something like this, where it is a community, and you don't like that other people are living like that, no, that's not allowed. You have to make choices. And I know it's not feasible for someone to go live in the middle of nowhere. And it's like, you have a job if you, if you don't want to interact right. with people. And it's like, people have jobs and they need to be in proximity to certain buildings and places and other people. So telling them to just go live off the middle of nowhere. But I think you need to make some kind of adjustments and plans as best as you can. If you don't want to be a part of that, don't. Get away from it. Or if you have to be in the middle of it, don't get angry at other people who are a yeah. part of it. Um and it's a shame, though, because I do feel like some people, if they opened up and allowed themselves to, to, you know, integrate a little bit, it is it, like it, it's nice. It goes a long way. It does. We are social creatures, as much as I like to pretend I'm not quite often, which isn't even true with me. Like I, I enjoy interacting with. It. There's just certain types of enjoyment, and I don't like it to be forced. I don't like to feel like I have to do it. But if you're living in a place. And you have relationships with people. And like, I don't feel like doing this right now. And that's fine. Like I said earlier, if you, if you have actual relationships with people and you're living close to them and they annoy you, so what? Because that's momentary. It's, right. That's happening and that'll pass and you can go back and, and be a part of it. Um, to hole up and just be constantly angry and annoyed because other people are actually out there yeah, living their lives and maybe having fun. I don't know what's going on there. I think that's really like now you're just getting bitter because you're not part of it. And then you're saying, well, I'm choosing not to be a part of it. I'm, you know, I'm opening an umbrella and, and <laughs> assigning a lot to people I don't know and or people that don't even exist. These are just hypothetical people. But overall, it's a very good thing. Yeah. It's nice. It should, it, it should be done more if it's not happening already. You know, people should get to know each other. And that doesn't mean 
take away all boundaries that you might keep for yourself, but make make friends get get their number at least <laughs> you know so that if something bad happens like something heavy falls on top of you and you can't get up just yeah be open to it yeah and you know I, one thing i'd like to clear up i said you know if you choose to live in the suburbs this maybe you're choosing that's not even true because the neighborhood i grew up in it was a neighborhood it was a suburban neighborhood but it was mm-hmm. a neighborhood and most of us there were gatherings there was a playground and the neighborhood would come together or, you know, like I said, there, there was a lot of relationships amongst families. There are always the weirdos with the overgrown lawns and the, the dark windows. And I don't know <laughs> what's going on in there. Mm-hmm. Or the kid who wasn't allowed to come out of play because he had awful parents, which is a really sad thing. But, oh, no. um, yeah, that's a, that's a yeah, don't talk about that now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that exists within these. But, you know. That happened in Laurel, too. There was this um, African family like Africa and they they had kids and they were never outside never ever ever never never maybe they didn't feel like they fit in or maybe they didn't like the American culture and they didn't want it to influence their culture maybe yeah, I don't know what they did with their kids I asked the daughter once I was up there because they invited us over and uh, I asked the daughter to show me a toy and she showed me this like one toy it's like is this your toy <laughs> yeah, the one toy don't get yeah. involved it's no, a shame that sounds like a sad situation, but. But all the African families did that. I found out a lot about African family, not like African Americans, like African. Yeah, that well, could be a cultural thing too. Yeah, I don't I know what it, it is. Not my place. She talked about how like it was real different. Like in in Africa, they had so many more people um, helping them. They had all their family and all their neighbors. You know, like if if uh if a couple had kids and they worked. They would come home, and by the end of the day, dinner was made, kids were cleaned, because they were all, like, doing it together. The kids were not just the responsibility of the mom and the dad. It was, like, everyone's looking out for everybody. So, yeah, she said, here, it's like, you come home, and dinner's not made, because no one's made it, because it's just me and my (laughs) husband and my (laughs) mother-in-law. I mean, that is a difference, certainly. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. You know, humans are tribal creatures, and we did Mm -hmm. have our tribes for quite a while, and moved away from it but still i think it's important to keep some of that intact as much as possible yeah else you'll be miserable and lonely and on that note thank you for listening to one topic find us online everywhere uh anywhere podcasts are found at one topic and uh go to itunes and rate and review us and subscribe download i started a twitter page i don't know what for we haven't started we haven't really said anything yet started a Uh, youtube page yeah we have a youtube page nobody knows why i have a video on the youtube page but uh go check (laughs) us out find us everywhere support us thank you for listening go be a good neighbor state farm is there (laughs) stupid (laughs) giving plugs away like a good That disgusts me in its own right. Yeah, State Farm playing on the neighborly thing to make money. We're a good neighbor. Give us your money. (laughs) Monthly premiums.